you prepare a meal, probably know as well as I do that though some ingredients are optional with, with certain meals, there are certain food items, there are certain meals that are served, that uh, certain food items that must be put in to make that certain meal what it is. For example, for spaghetti, to be spaghetti, you have to have spaghetti noodles, all right? That's just obvious. Otherwise, you just have a bowl or a plate of uh, meat and sauce. Here's another example. For a hamburger, to be a hamburger, you have to have a hamburger patty, right? Between two pieces of bread. Meat is essential for a hamburger to be a hamburger. Well, in a similar way, for salvation to occur, though God must do the work. We talked about that last week. We are saved by God's grace alone. There must also be a response from us. Though scripture is clear that we are saved by God's grace alone, we are also saved through our faith alone. There there must be this turning away from sin and turning toward Christ. And we must must place our faith and trust in Him. That is what faith is. It's personal trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So salvation is by God's grace alone, through our faith alone, in Christ alone. We'll talk about Christ alone next week. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be back in Ephesians 2 this morning. We are continuing our five-week series on the five alones of the Christian faith. We're taking a little break from the book of Acts to look at these. And as many of you know who have been with us the past couple of weeks in here and who have been with us the past few years here in October, October is a special month. For us as believers, because at the end of this month, on October 31st, we remember a date and a, a, an event in Christian history that's very important for us as Protestants. On that day, in 1517, Martin Luther posted his 95 Theses to the, to the door of the Castle Church in Wittenberg, Germany. And that event, though Martin Luther didn't know it at the time, would lead to this great Protestant Reformation. God worked in a mighty way through reformers like Luther and through this event to bring us to where we are today. And there are several key doctrines that were reintroduced during this time by Luther and other reformers that the church desperately needed to relearn. The church at this time had strayed from the core teachings of the Christian faith And so Luther and others like him, what they did was they went back to the scripture. They went back to the word of God and they reintroduced these core teachings. And we've been looking at these over the past couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we looked at sola scriptura, which is Latin for scripture alone. Last week, we looked at sola gratia, which is grace alone. And this morning, we're going to focus in on another core teaching in Christianity, the teaching of sola fide, which is Latin for faith 
alone. So let's talk about faith alone, and there's no better place to go than Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9. Look at what Paul says here. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So notice here, though last week, when looking at the first five verses in Ephesians 2, we said that salvation is a work that God does, period. And if he does not work, salvation will not happen. Here we learn that there is to be a response from us. Paul says we are saved by God's grace through our faith. There is a response that is required. Paul also makes this point in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. You can turn there if you want to, but many of you know this verse to heart. It says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice a confession is required here. Some of y'all are probably scratching your heads at this. You're thinking, well, well, how do we make sense of this? How do we make sense of the fact that salvation is all God? It is solely a work that he does. We talked about that last week. Yet there is a response required from us. Well, again, Paul gives us a little bit of insight in Ephesians chapter 2, in verses 8 and 9. He says, by grace... By God's unmerited, undeserved favor, you have been saved through faith. And then look at the very next line. This is not your own doing. You know what Paul means when he says that? This is not your own doing. You know what he means? This is not your own doing. Salvation is not a work of man. It's a work of God, folks. Scripture is crystal clear on that. You're probably thinking, well, well, how does that work? How does that work? How is salvation solely a work of God, but still contingent upon my personal response to Christ in faith? Well, here's how it's explained in the Scriptures. We're told this clearly in Ephesians chapter 2. We can follow this. First, God does a work in us. We need a work done in us, Right? said last week, we are dead in sin, and you and all the bad news. But God, God intervened. God stepped in. We need him to do this. So first, God does a work in us because we need it. And the work he does in us, it works. And it awakens us to faith. And we respond by trusting in him. So God is sovereign in our salvation, yet Scripture also says we're responsible for what we do or don't do with Jesus. Remember a few weeks ago we said God set this up in this way. You see this clearly in Scripture. If we reject Christ, we're to blame. If we accept Christ, God's to blame. And he gets all the glory both ways. God is sovereign in our salvation, we are responsible. Scripture teaches both. We are to affirm both. And how that plays out is pretty mysterious. 
It's mysterious. It doesn't go against reason, but it does go far beyond our reasoning. But Scripture teaches both. Scripture teaches that salvation is solely a work of God. It's by His grace, yet it's also through our faith, but that is not our own doing, Paul says. Here's the thing. Scripture is clear that we are in desperate need. Talked about that last week as well. We are dead in sin. We are in a desperate situation with nothing that we can do on our own to change matters. We have only one place to turn, and that's back to God. Many still think, like we said last week, that that we bring something of worth to the table when it comes to our salvation. Many think that our works count for something. Don't believe me, just go out there and ask. I guarantee you, you'll be shocked by the response. And the church in Luther's day thought this as well. Though they said that, that we are saved by faith, they believed that in that day, they did not believe that saving faith was alone. Along with saving faith came works. It's faith plus works that makes us right with God. You see, the church at that time did not like the word sola, did not like the word alone at all. The reformers, if they would have said we're saved by faith, many in that day would have said, yeah. You know, we, we agree with that. We believe we're saved by faith plus good works, plus those works of satisfaction. That's what they taught. It's faith plus works that makes one right with God. But when Luther and the other reformers began to study the scriptures, when they began to study passages like the one we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks, they'd say, we don't see that in there at all. We're, we're saved by grace alone through faith in Christ alone, period. Plus nothing, minus nothing. There's nothing that we bring to the table. The only thing we contribute is our sin that makes us in need of saving. Nothing, no, nothing positive at all that, that we bring. We are dead. Scripture is also clear. God is able and he is willing and he has made a way for us to be made alive again which is what enables us to place our faith in Christ which is what we're called to do Paul says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you'll be saved all right so that's what Luther and them believed that's what they believed and they got that from the word of God that that there is nothing in addition to our faith that makes us right before God. Let's look at the verse of scripture again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Salvation, Paul says, is the gift of God. It's a gift. It's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. Mark this down. Mark this down and, and keep it with you. Remember it. Salvation is a gift, not a reward. There's a difference. Salvation is a gift, not a reward. Gifts are freely given. They're unmerited, undeserved, not earned, not warranted. 
That's what salvation is. It's, it's a gift, not a reward. God declares people to be not guilty when they come by faith alone. Again, remember the, the popular lyrics to the song Rock of Ages that says, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. There's nothing, absolutely nothing you bring to the table. Christ has done it all for you. You simply come by faith alone. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 1 up on the screen. This is just another verse that affirms this. Look at what Paul says here. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by what? By faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we have peace with God? Through Jesus. How are we made right with with God? Through Jesus. By faith. By faith, the key word here, the key word is, is justified. It means to be declared not guilty, but righteous. Paul says, we have been justified. We've been made right. We have been declared not guilty, but righteous. We have moved from becoming enemies, being enemies of God, to becoming a child of God. How? By faith. By faith alone. So let me highlight this for you again, just in case you had not got it yet. To get this great work that Christ has accomplished, applied to us, to experience the gospel, we must respond by faith alone. God must do this work through his Holy Spirit in us, and we must respond to that work by faith alone. Now, what is faith? We've been talking a lot about faith already this morning. What is it? To be honest with you, it's a word that's used a lot. In our society today, when you, you know, you're having a difficult time, someone will say something like this, man, just have faith, you know? You just got to have faith. We're told to place our faith in Jesus. We're, we're told to walk by faith. We talk about being faithful. We're called the people of faith. What does that word mean? What do we mean when we say Faith. Well, at times, a good way to define something is to define it by what it's not. And so for the rest of our time that we have left in here, I want to share with you what true faith is by sharing with you what it's not. Okay? First one we've already talked about. Number one, true faith is not of works. These are in your notes. True faith is not a work. And it is not accompanied by good works. Turn to Romans chapter 4 if you're quick. We'll also throw it up on the screen to save time. Romans chapter 4. Bill read it earlier. We're going to look just at verses 4 and 5. Look at this. This is pretty obvious what Paul's saying here. He says, Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Verse 5. To the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteous. Whose faith is counted as righteous? The one who does not work. You see that there? Paul's saying to the one who works, to the one who tries to merit salvation, to the one who tries to earn a right standing with God, he says he does not receive the free gift of salvation. 
He does not receive that gift. God places his works on him, and he's not made right. But verse 5, Paul says, To the one who does not work, to the one who does not try and do anything on their own to merit or earn salvation, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Do you see why Paul left some of his harshest words in Galatians for the Judaizers who were saying you can earn a right standing with God? Paul says, let them be anathema. That's a godless message. Paul says, through faith alone, one is considered righteous. There is nothing we can do to merit a right standing with God. We bring nothing to the table. And if we try to bring something, if we rely upon our filthy rags we call good works, Paul says we will not experience God's justification. We will not experience a right standing with God if we're trusting in our works for salvation. Again, the lyrics to the song, Rock of Ages, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. We got to come empty handed. Faith plus nothing, right? No works. No works. Salvation is by faith alone. Five times in Romans chapter 5, Paul uses the phrase free gift. Do you think he's trying to make a point there, by the way? Five times in three verses? Look at it with me. It's up on the screen. Romans 5 15 through 17. Paul says, but the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God in the free gift. By the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Paul here is comparing Adam to Jesus. And he says, though through Adam, death came to all men. And through that, sin also came judgment and condemnation through Adam's works. He says through Jesus, life comes to men and it comes as a free gift. It's free. It cannot be merited. It cannot be earned. The only way it can be experienced is by God's grace alone through faith in Christ alone. How many of y'all have ever heard the phrase there's no such thing as a free lunch? Anybody ever heard that before? You know where that comes from? I was looking this up uh, a few weeks ago. And in the late 1800s and early 1900s, saloons and other restaurants would offer people a free lunch to get them into their establishments. And of course, they would make their money back by selling them drinks. And if their food was good enough, they would encourage them to come back. And they would. And it was a very successful marketing campaign. And it was so successful that that this phrase came out of that. People began to see there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I think our experience confirms this, right? Would you agree with me? For the most part, there's no such thing as as a free lunch. 
Whenever I get a call from someone who tells me I've won something and I haven't entered to win anything, you know, I normally try to get off the phone pretty quickly because I know there's no such thing as a free lunch. Or in other words, if it sounds too good to be true, what? Yeah, it is. Probably is. Well, here's the amazing thing about God's gospel. Though it seems too good to be true, get this, it is in fact true. If it sounds too good to be true to you, you're understanding the gospel. It is. It does sound too good to be true, but it is, in fact, true. God's gospel turns that phrase, there's no such thing as a free lunch, on its head. God's gospel message tells us, though we have sinned against him, though we are at odds with God, and unable to do anything about that on our own, God's gospel tells us that salvation has been made available to us apart from from what we do. It's been given by God. It's been accomplished through the person and work of his son, Jesus. Everything that God requires of us, he gives to us in Christ. And all we have to do is just receive it by faith. We must receive it by faith. Now, some have rejected this message. Many have. There are a lot of works-based messages out in our world today. You know why? One of the reasons why, deep down, they don't believe it. They don't believe this gospel message. We've learned that there's no such thing in life as a free lunch. Therefore, we, we think surely that's the case for the gospel. Surely there's some work that needs to be done on my end. And that's what many, again, believed in Luther's day. He believed it for a time. Luther did which is why he was so depressed before coming to Christ because Luther knew himself better than the other monks in his monastery and he knew that he paled in comparison to God in his righteousness. He was crushed thinking that he had to depend upon his own works to merit a right standing with God. That was until he came to understand what the gospel truly taught When he began to study the scriptures, he began to see that scriptures do say there is nothing you can do on your own to make yourself right with God, but God, in his great mercy and grace, has provided for us what he requires of us in his son, Jesus. He sent Jesus to be who we could not be. Jesus lived the perfect life in our place. He died the death we deserve to die and was raised to life again so that we, through faith in Jesus, could have life in his name and be made right with God once again. Luther came to understand that. So this doctrine of faith alone was eye-opening to Luther, and it was the biggest relief in the world for him. And listen, it should be for us too. We should be praising God that he does not place the work to be done for for salvation upon us. We should be so thankful he does not put that on our shoulders because folks, if it's up to us, we are sunk. We are sunk, shipwrecked. Praise be to God that he has given us what he requires of us. Praise be to God that he has made a way when there seemed to be no way and he all he, he calls for us to do is this. Stop striving. 
Stop trying to carve out your own way in this life. Stop trying to measure up to God on your own without Him. Come to Him. Look to His Son. Trust in Him. Believe in Him alone for your salvation. That's that's the gospel. So, true faith, it's not a works. It's not a work, and it's not accompanied by good works. Here's the second thing. True faith is not general optimism. At times, we use the word faith synonymously with just being optimistic. Just be positive that God's good and He's going to work for you and with you if you're trying your best. That's not true, genuine faith. Just being optimistic about who God is or who you think He is. True faith What we're saying when we talk about genuine faith is we're saying Jesus is the object of our faith and that we're looking to and trusting in and depending upon him, on his person and his work alone for salvation. That is what Christian faith is. It's me personally depending upon Jesus for my salvation. It's not just me being generally optimistic. If I'm doing what I can, God will take care of me. That's not faith. It's not true and genuine faith. Third one. True faith is more than intellectual. Some call themselves Christians because they believe in the facts about Jesus. They say, yeah, I believe Jesus died. And I believe that he rose from the grave. I believe in those facts about Jesus the same way I would say I believe George Washington's the first president of the United States. I believe in that fact. That's not saving faith. It's not. Though it's important, though it's imperative that we do believe intellectually that, that Christ lived and died and was raised, we, we are to affirm those facts about Jesus. Listen, if it doesn't go any further than that, that's not saving faith. Saving faith is not just believing facts about Jesus. Remember, the demons believe, right? And they're not saved. Saving faith is saying, I believe Jesus died and was raised for me. And I am personally trusting in him and in his person and work alone for my salvation. Remember, again, Paul says, though we are to confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we're to believe in our own hearts. In Jesus to be saved. It's personal trust in Jesus. There's a big difference between that and just believing facts about Jesus. Would you agree? Fourth point. True faith goes beyond simple approval of Jesus. Some will say this. They'll say, you know what? I believe Jesus died and rose again, and and I'm glad he did. I like Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I, I sing about Jesus. I have Jesus bumper stickers and Jesus t-shirts. I'm a fan of Jesus. Just simple approval on what he did. Again, we need to approve of what Jesus has done for us. But if it doesn't go deeper than that, that's not saving faith. Faith is when you make Jesus your Lord. When you say, Jesus, I want you to be my life. I want your life to be mine. I want my life hidden yours. I want who you are and what you have accomplished applied to me. That's faith. 
Here's another one. This will make some toes sore. Faith is more than emotions. It's more than emotions. When I was young and questioning my salvation, which I should have been, by the way, because I was not saved, people would ask me, well, how did you feel when you were eight? Did you mean it? Did you, did you get emotional? Did, did it feel as if you, you meant it? I've had folks tell me in the past, oh, I, I, I remember when so-and-so was, was saved when they were eight because they walked the aisle and they got all, all emotional. They, they cried. I remember they, they meant it. And in one case, the person they were talking about doesn't even believe in God. But they were fighting for the fact that they had been saved. Now, get this. I'm not saying you won't get emotional when you come to Christ. Some will, some won't. I was when I was in college. But we can feel a similar way when we're watching a movie or listening to a song on the radio. It's it's not that emotion that makes salvation genuine, though it may come along with it. But it's when we come by faith alone and simply trust in the person and work of Jesus alone, personally for our salvation. Here's another. Faith is not a catch-all. Let me explain what I mean here. There are some, and I've heard the gospel shared in this way before, but there are some who say, you know, I'm not sure if I believe in the person and work of Jesus. I, I have some doubts, but I'll pray that prayer anyways just to cover my basis. Just to make sure I'm in, I'm going to make sure that I pray this prayer and walk this aisle and, and, and follow up with baptism. And I've heard people share the gospel in this way. They'll say, what do you got to lose? Might as well just pray this prayer because if it's not true, you haven't lost anything. And if it is, you get everything. You're covered. Folks, I'm sorry. That is not saving faith. Faith is knowing who Jesus is and what he's done for you and believing it and receiving it by faith. It's believing in Christ alone, trusting in Christ alone, in his person, in his work alone for salvation. Again, Paul's words in Romans 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your core, your heart, you'll be saved. It's not a catch-all to cover your basis. One last thing. This is very important. True faith is not just a past act. Some think that faith is something that you do in the past and then you just move on. I've shared the gospel with people before and they respond in this way, oh, I've done that. Like that. Yeah, that salvation thing, I've done that. I did that a while back, I'm good, you know? And I'm like, well, first off, Salvation is not a that that you, that you do. It's not something you do at one time to mark off your bucket list. Yep, check, got that. What else? You know, that's, that's not salvation. It's not. Faith is not just a past decision that you make and then you're in, you can live however you want. Folks, I challenge you to find that in Scripture. Mark this verse down, read it later. Romans 1, 17. Paul says this, the righteous shall live by faith. Shall live 
The righteous shall live by faith. It doesn't say the righteous demonstrated faith at one time in the past and then they moved on, but though they're not doing it today, they're still okay. Is that what Paul says in Romans 1, 17? No, he says, the righteous shall live by faith. One of my good friends in ministry once said this. He said, true faith, genuine faith is not a one-time thing. It's a lifetime thing. I like that. Jot that down. True, genuine faith is not a one-time thing. It's a lifetime thing. If you're here today and you're trusting in Jesus alone for your salvation, that's a good sign that you were trusting in him when you first made that decision 50 years, 30 years, 20 years last year. And if you're here this morning and you are not trusting in Christ alone for your salvation, that's a good sign that you never were. I think it's safe to assume if a person does not believe in God, though they walked down the aisle when they were seven, that was not a genuine decision. Do you agree with me on that? Say yes, please. Yes. Said this time and time again. I'll say it time and time again. Followers of Christ follow Christ. It's that simple. We make it so complicated. It's that simple. The righteous live by faith. Salvation is by faith alone. And one is saved by looking to the person and work of Christ alone and believing on him alone. It's personally trusting in his person and his work alone for your salvation. Have you made that decision? Have you made that decision? Are you here this morning? Are you trusting in Christ alone for your salvation? Have you turned from your sin? Have you given your life up and over to the Lord Jesus? If not, I pray today be the day you make that decision. Would you pray with me?